Today's reading is taken from Romans chapter eight, verses thirty-one to thirty-nine. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long; we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all the in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right, great. Well, good morning, and welcome from me too. Do keep your Bibles open.、Um, as you've heard, we're talking about the cross. It's nearly Easter,、uh, yeah. So we're going to have a short series about the cross and what it means for us. But、um, why don't we turn to prayer? Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you for the cross. Thank you that it means so much. We are weak in our affections. We are weak. We are distracted. Father, please would you work in us now? Would you strengthen us with power? Would we have the strength to comprehend what is the height and depth and breadth and length of the love of Christ? Would we know this love that surpasses knowledge? Father, please,、uh, yeah, work through my words. Would they be your words in each of our hearts today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Does this work? Yeah, this works. Yeah, the cross. Why talk about the cross? Well,、um, where the, in the West, where I come from, you probably know that、uh, there's a lot of broken families.、Yeah? Um, a lot of moms and dads don't stay together.、Uh, more than half of kids growing、uh, up without their biological, without both biological parents. But that affects children, doesn't it? Children, they need love and stability.、Uh, they need to have a, an environment that is stable,、uh, where they are loved, where they know they are safe, and that helps them to become mature and, and well balanced emotionally. You know, in these broken homes, they they don't know if they are loved.、Uh, they might be beaten. They don't feel safe. They're not sure if their dad is going to be there the next day. And now we see some of the fruit in how they then live. That people who want to mature need to, yeah, need to grow up in love. I mean, of course, yeah, uncertainty doesn't help, right? I don't know when you were last very uncertain. You applied for a job, and you were waiting anxiously to hear, and you, you, you can't focus on anything else. You you want to know, or you're in the hospital、uh, waiting for a diagnosis.、Uh, You want to know, 
Eh? It holds you back if you just don't know what's going on. We, we, we have these needs. Um, all these needs. Um, and if, if you've ever seen this picture, this psychological idea, people, they have, we have needs for food and water, for safety, for love, for esteem. Uh, we all have that. We, we want to be safe. We want to be cared for. We want to be loved. And yeah, children of broken homes, they don't have that. But I wonder if we are something like that sometimes. Uh, we as Christians, actually, if we want to mature, we need to be in a, a stable environment of love. And what we need, well, we need certainty about God. We need to know whether God loves us or not. I mean, God is, of course, the most important person. He's the creator, the king, the judge. How would you ever live if you won't know about what he is like, you know? But some of us are not sure. We have good days and bad days. Sometimes we feel good, sometimes we don't feel good. And we wonder, does God love me? For some people, it's really crippling. But for others, we don't say it like that. We know, of course, God loves us. And yet, is that seen in our life? So I don't know if you know this book, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a, it's a, it's a great Bible for children. But basically, the, the big problem in there, uh, the big reason why we, you know, why we sin, why we worship idols, we doubt that God loves us. Now, why do we uh, go after other things? Well, we doubt that God loves us. So we need someone else to take care of us, right? And idolatry is so strong in Hong Kong. Many of us were so concerned about our work, so concerned about money. And I wonder, do we, do we believe that God loves us? Or do we doubt that? Uh, we're so concerned about our children and their education and our relationships. You know, do we believe God is there, that he loves us, that he will satisfy us? Many of us, yeah, we have those concerns deep down that shows in the way we live. And so we really need the coming weeks. We need to go back to the cross, understand it. And that's what we're going to do. We're having this series, well, I've called it Through the Lens of the Cross. The idea is that when we understand the cross, it will change the way we see everything. And we're approaching Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and the world changed. Everything changed when Jesus died and rose. The universe is no longer the same. And how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see our circumstances, everything is now different because of the cross. Of course, the cross shows lots of things, of course, um, but I want to especially focus on yeah, the fact that Jesus died and, and paid for our sins. How does that affect things? The world looks the same. It makes such a difference, though. And the big place where we need to start is with God. And what does it show about God? And the next two talks, basically, they just flow out of, of this one. But what does the cross show about God? The fact that Jesus died and paid for our sins, what does that show about him? Uh, lots of things, of course. We could talk about his holiness, his justice. But today, the big thing I want to talk about that uh, Paul talks about well, God is for us. Through the cross, God is for us. 
And, and that's the amazing news. We saw that in verse 31. If God is for us, and the if there isn't a kind of, well, maybe. No, you know, it's logic. Given that God is for us, since God is for us, then look at all this. That is what, what Paul wants. Look, guys, look at God. Look, if he, look at how he is for us. And, yeah, we need to understand that and see how that changes our life. Of course, that's especially good news because we need to remember, you know, God should be against us. We say it's so great that God loves us. I mean, God shouldn't love us at all. He should be angry at us. He should hate us. And that's how Romans starts. If you turn back to chapter 1, how does uh, Romans start after the introduction? 118. Well, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people. And God's anger against sin. And the problem is that, yeah, we've ignored God. We've lived without him. Maybe you're here as a, as a visitor. You wonder why are we so obsessed with the cross as Christians? Well, because it solves a, a, a big problem that God is anger at the way we've lived, the way we've hurt others, the way we've ignored him. And then we get three chapters of showing, look, everyone is sinful. And the, the, the most immoral people, the most moral people, the most religious people, everyone yeah, is, yeah, is sinful, guilty, condemned. 3 verse 10, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not, not even one. Uh, 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, by ourselves, we're all guilty before God. But the amazing news, well, of course, we can be saved. Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace. Justified is to be declared righteous, that even though we are sinners, God declares us right. He accepts us. He forgives us. He welcomes us because we are now righteous. And how? Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. And Jesus died, took the wrath, took the anger, took the judgment, took everything we deserved, and he took that so now, he, well, there's nothing for us to pay. It's done. And that includes you. If, if you are here as not a Christian, this is for you, the, the way you can be saved. Uh, what do you do with God standing against you, with the punishment that your sins deserve? Well, Jesus took it on the cross. And now you're, well, at one, you're together. Uh, we can be friends with God. We can be children of God. That is the big thing, isn't it? No one is righteous but we're reconciled through Jesus' sacrifice. And then after a few more chapters, Paul says, look, look what that means. 8 verse 31, what shall we say to this? Well, if God did this, if God sent his son to pay for our sins, God is for us. And yeah, two big aspects of that. One, just the, the mere act of the cross, the fact that God gave up his son. Verse 32, 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Look, God gave you his, his son. We just had a children's talk. If someone gives you a gift, you feel loved, right? 
clearly they are good nature towards you. How about if they gave a really big gift? They must love you a lot, right? Well, Jesus came because God gave you his son. That is the amazing gift he gave, right? His own son, the most infinitely precious thing he had, his son. And then Paul says, look, if God is so committed to you, if he gave you such a big gift, won't he then give you everything else? Everything else you might need if he gave you something so big, because the rest is just peanuts. I mean, what else do you need to be saved? You know, a, a new body, it's not much work. You know, the, the, the spirit coming to live in you, it's a small thing. <laughs> a new universe, relatively small compared to God giving up his son for you. I mean, <laughs> won't he then do the rest? I mean, <laughs> imagine you have a, a child, 10 years old, you buy them a new bike. Apparently you can buy this gold-plated bike, about a million dollars, you know? Imagine you would buy such an amazing bike for your child. And they are just so excited. And then they ask, oh, Dad, uh, the saddle is a bit too high. Can you make it a bit lower for me? Oh, pff, that is too much work. I mean, can't be bothered. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if someone gives you this bike, and then they're not going to adjust the saddle a bit for you. That is how we should see this, right? God gives up his son, and then all the rest is just so small. Surely he won't go back on that. God won't do this biggest thing there is, and then all the, the rest, the little things, I'm sorry, that's too much work for me. Or think of it from Jesus' perspective. Do you think the Father would let Jesus die in vain? Yeah, Jesus goes, becomes a man, dies on a cross, and now the father says, yes, sorry, Jesus, I know you did all that, but actually I'm, I'm no longer going to save these people. Sorry for all the work you did. He's not going to say that, right? Jesus did all this. God is not going to go back on that. And you see the cross and you know, look, this is how much God valued saving me. He gave his son. Surely he's going to go through with that now. And not just then the act of the cross, just the result of the cross, the fact that all your sin is paid for now. And because it says we are now righteous, justified. And what does that mean? Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? You know, who can now bring something against you after God has said that you are righteous. And he's the judge. He's given his verdict. And that stands. You are perfect in his sight because Jesus paid for you. It means your, your status has changed, right? You, you were an enemy. Now you are a perfect child. Not in yourself, but through Jesus because it's all paid for. And, and that is something real. You now have nothing to pay. It's all paid for. Now, all the things that could keep you out are dealt with. And so who can bring any charge? Who can still condemn you if all the condemnation is already taken? And, and Paul just reminds you, look, Jesus is there next to the Father on the throne. No way is God going to change that or let any charge stand against you. I mean, you are entitled to be with God now. The fact that your sin is paid for means 
you have the right to be with God. Because it's paid. You, you are righteous. God is for you. And, and God is not going to be unjust. I mean, we, we, we shy away from that language because we know how sinful we still are. But if Jesus really paid for you, then it's paid and you can go in. You may wonder, oh, how did I get this ticket? But it's paid. There's this old hymn, uh, And Can It Be, uh, a lovely hymn, but it ends with these lines. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. You, you, can, you can claim the crown. You, you deserve to be with God because Jesus paid for you. God, God is for you. All this anger is gone. It's all taken. Isn't that amazing? And so God really is for us. He's really on our side or we are on his side. Not that he wasn't before. I mean, of course, he's always loved us, but he's also been so angry with us because of our sin. And you read the Old Testament and you wonder what is going to win? How are they both going to go together? Well, at the cross, all the judgment was satisfied. That's all done. And so now there's just, yeah, only his love to be satisfied in saving you. And so we can be absolutely certain that God is for us. Now you, you see the cross absolutely certain. I mean, what makes you doubt? What, what could make us doubt this? Do you think God will change his mind? Now we talked about that. He gave up his son and the rest is just peanuts. How, how would he go back on what he's already done and waste all that? And even if he did, your, your sin is already paid for. You can't undo that, right? Your sin is paid for. God has to bring you to glory. How about your sin? You know, what if tomorrow you commit this really awful sin? Will that change this? Well, you know, God knew about that sin long ago. He knew it when he sent his son. And Jesus knew about it when he hung on the cross and paid for it. Doesn't change his view. They still went through with it. Um, every sin that we've committed has been paid. Past, present, future. Uh, it's paid. Jesus' death was enough. And so you, your sin can't change that God is for you. Uh, of course, you, you, you don't want to sin and you want to change and, and, and confess and repent. <laughs> but... The basic fact that God is for you is not in doubt. And do you trust that? Do you trust his promise when he says, all your sins are forgiven? I'm for you. Maybe you're just not a very good Christian. And we'll talk about more about that next week. But it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. Yeah? That's not going to change it. Um, maybe just a lack of feeling. That's the thing. We, we like to feel loved. You're, you know, someone loves you and that's a wonderful feeling and sometimes we just don't feel like it. Of course, it's, it's better if you feel it. But we're not saved by our feelings. We're not saved by how good we feel. Paul says, look at the cross. You want to know God is for you. Don't look inside. Look outside. Look at what Jesus did. Because your, your feelings, they go up and down. You can't trust them. I remember when I was a young Christian, I've been a Christian about eight months, 
I went to this charismatic church. We were on a weekend away, and uh, we had this wonderful worship session, and everyone was just, oh, they were so in love, and, and, and I was kind of there, and I felt so cold. I, I wondered what was wrong. I felt good the whole day, but I, I felt really, yeah, I felt, I felt so cold, and, and I couldn't enjoy it, and I wondered what was wrong. Well, what had I done that, that God had withdrawn from me? Okay, guess what? I was standing next to an open window. It was just, that was it. It was nothing to do with my relationship with God. Just I felt the cold from standing next to this window. And I, I, I learned that day, look, it's not about your, right? God loves you whether you feel like it or not. I mean, some people can't even trust their feelings. You know, if you have depression and you have this dark cloud hanging over you, it's a mental problem. It, it affects your feelings. Your feelings aren't right. You shouldn't trust your feelings. You look in history. You look at the cross. You, you know Jesus died. You know God loves you. And, it, and this is not a psychological crutch. This is not just positive thinking. This is a fact. A fact that you can look to. And so when you know that, yeah, we should have 100% certainty, 100% peace, and rest that God is for us. Yeah. Suffering we'll talk about in two weeks' time. But what do you do with that? What do you do with this? First of all, it's good to remember it is God who is for us. God who is for us. You know, just someone being for you doesn't matter much. Imagine you have your job review coming up performance review, you're not sure how it's going to go, and your wife says, well, I love you, and I think you're great. I mean, that's nice, but it's about your boss, right? It, but what does your boss think of you, not what does your wife think of you? The question is, who is God? I mean, God is God, the creator, the king, the judge. Nothing can stop him, and so if God is for you, nothing can be against us. If God is the greatest, if God is more powerful, if God is in charge and he is for you, nothing can be against you. God has this great plan. If you look back at verse 29, what is God's plan in his love? Well, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. At the end of time, God will have this great family, all these people in the image of Christ with Jesus there as the the firstborn. And that is his plan for you. He's going to make you like Christ and bring you there on the last day in that family. That is his plan for you. And who can stop that plan? Paul asks, you know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, who, Who can get between that? Who can take God away from you if God is is God? I mean, listen to all those things, you know. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, will any of that get in the way? Uh, Verse 38, uh, uh, death, life, angels, demons. I mean, these are big things. And it's a grim picture of the Christian life, you know, sometimes. Persecution and trouble. For many Christians, that's what life is like. But who can stop God? 
I mean, death nor life. Will death stop God? Well, Easter Sunday, right? Death is not strong enough. Uh, nothing in life. Uh, neither angels nor demons. You know, some Christians, they're so worried about Satan and the great enemy. Uh, yes, you know, he's a deceiver. Uh, yes, sometimes there's warned again. But in general, if, if, I mean, if God is greater, we should just see him like this, right? Satan. Satan is not stronger than God. If God loves you, if God wants to save you, Satan can stop him. Right? Satan can do anything. Uh, what else? The, neither the present nor the future. Uh, you know, anything that is here now can't stop you. Anything in the future that might happen, it can't stop God. Neither powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. You know, nothing can stop God. Paul is so triumphant. You know, God is for us and he's the greatest. So what can happen? Nothing can be against us. He, he gave up his son for us. Nothing else that he won't do. Those things can't change anything. You know, yeah, bad things might happen. Yeah, we have the new lifetime president who is not a great fan of religious freedom. It's easy to fear him, everything he might do. But he can't stop God, right? He can't stop his love for you. That, you know, Jesus died on the cross, but uh, the father says, yes, sorry, I hadn't counted on, uh, on this guy. He, he gets in the way, sorry. Yeah? God is for you. 100% guarantee. And, and, you know, Mr. She is powerless compared to God. Doesn't mean he can't hurt you now. In two weeks' time, you know, suffering. How should we see that? But for now, just, you know, God is for you. I hope you know it and, and feel it and, and, and love it. Because this is just, you know, there is constant, unchanging love at the heart of the universe. And that is what we need to know. Uh, how does that affect us? Of course, praise, worship, joy, delight, sharing the great news. But where I want to go is this, you know. So live in, in freedom. Live in freedom. Because basically we are free. We are, we are liberated. We're free from lots of things. This whole series could be called Freedom. Think of freedom from doubt. When it comes to God's love, there's no need to doubt. There's no need to worry. We can have all the peace and assurance we need. Now, remember what it feels like to be uncertain of something. To have, you know, to spend your, to check your phone if the email's gone in. Uh, to wonder if you do something, if you did something wrong, if you can change something. So many things we give our energy to, and we don't have to give any energy to this. Yeah? Sometimes you don't feel like it, sometimes you do. Sometimes you have a good day, sometimes you have a bad day. We don't have to worry uh, that God loves us. We can just rest in it, enjoy it. Uh, like I said, freedom from fear. No need to fear anything, not even Satan. Although, I guess death is something we might fear, right? Death, of all the lists in verse 35, death. Well, apart from Easter Sunday, just, you know, God is stronger than death, right? Easter Sunday. Uh, I visited Willa recently, 
stomach cancer. She has peace. It doesn't matter what will happen. She knows God loves her. Things will be fine. To live is Christ, to die is gain. God's love is unchanging. Some people, you know, there's illness and they're so worried and they, they pray and they ask all their friends, please pray and please send out on the internet all my friends, all your friends to pray, get half the world to pray. Don't they trust God, I sometimes wonder. No, God surely knows about this illness. Surely God cares for you and loves you. Do you think you need to change his mind by a million people praying for you? You can just rest in God's love. No need to fear. But I think the big thing I want to think about is freedom to live for God. You know, if you are free, if you don't have to worry about these things, you can live for God. We can do things that we otherwise couldn't because we know God is for us on our side. So here, it's a nice picture. This is uh, Hannah, our oldest, when she was two years old, on a climbing frame. Now, you can't see it on the picture, but this is two meters high. Would you let your two-year-old walk? I mean, those holes in the net are pretty big, right? Would, a child, would you allow your child to do this? Well, Hannah had no fear. She was fine doing this. Why? Well, yeah, <laughs> because Daddy was there, right? I was looking after her. I was ready to catch her. She trusted in me. She knew, okay, my, my dad loves me. My dad will look after me. I can go all the way up here and, and, and have fun and walk. My dad will catch me. But that is, that is the Christian life. You know, if you know God is there for you, you can do these kind of things. People talk about, uh, it's an English expression, putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's a stupid thing to do because if your basket falls down, all your eggs are broken. And so don't invest in just one company, invest in lots of things because you can't be certain of this one or that one. Well, God is one basket you can put all your eggs in, right? That's very clear. God is for you, nothing can stop him. And so you, you can give everything to him. As Paul says, you, you can live your life as a living sacrifice. You know, so, many, so often we, we worry. You know, your job, and you're worried about it. Basically, will God take care of me? If he will, I can put it in place. And there's a relationship, and you know, it's, it's an inappropriate relationship. You should say no, but we're afraid. We're afraid because, you know, maybe God won't take care of me. God won't satisfy me. The church is not enough. Surely God knows. God cares. So you can make those decisions. You can spend time on discipling. You're not going to miss out. God is for you. And that's the thing. Many of us, we're half-hearted Christians. I think just because deep down we're not sure, can we really live for God? And if we know his love, then we don't have to worry. We can do it. We can just live as Christians. We can fulfill our church vision. We can shine like stars. We can do all those things because we know, look, God is for us. He's with us. Nothing can stop him. Yeah, so you can go up there. You can go, you know, on the high bar. You just need to understand the cross better. So I hope this Easter, you know, let's think about the cross. We're spending more Sundays on it, but 
make sure you have these lenses. That whatever happens, you know God is for me. That is the big thing we need to know. God is for us, nothing is against us. Well, why don't we spend half a minute just to reflect